What is good, everybody, man? Appreciate y'all tuning into the Blue Bloods as we recap a wild week four of FCS HBCU football. As always, here on the Coach's Corner, joined by my guy, Coach Frederick, over at Allcorn State. Coach Fred, man, how we feeling? Man, I've been better, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's Monday. On to the next. On to the next. Ah, uh, man, I, I it's it was it was a tough loss, man. I know it was a it extremely competitive game, man. PV Allcorn State. I mean, listen, that that division's still wide open. I'm excited to see. I know you guys got a big game this upcoming weekend. I want to say traveling to Alabama State. PV gets to uh, go face Grambling and and what's shaping up to be an extremely interesting Swack West matchup. But man, Coach, Week Four wild. I mean, what we had. I want to say like seven, six or seven top 25 matchups, two top 10 matchups, had plenty of upsets to talk about. But, Coach, I want to start with some storylines for the week. I, I want to throw this one out at you, Coach, because we always talk about people making preseason predictions, going with the defending champions and all this. Coach, eight different conference champions from last year have now lost their first conference game. Of this season, Sac State co-champs in the Big Sky, losing to Idaho this weekend. Gardner Webb losing to Tennessee State. New Hampshire co-CAA champs losing to Delaware this weekend. Yale losing to Cornell. St. Francis losing to Sacred Heart. Sanford losing to Western Carolina. We talked about that game two weeks ago. Southeastern Louisiana losing to Houston Christian. Uh, we'll talk about that one in a little bit. And then Jackson State losing to FAMU in week one. Coach, man, I mean, it's been a tough year to be a defending champion. You know, um, everybody's gunning for you coming in there. And, you know, everybody feels like they've uh, re revamped their roster to, to match up with you when you are those guys. And a lot of those number two teams weren't far off from the teams that won the championship. Uh, and it only takes a uh, – it takes a small – small margin of, of, of error for it to happen. And then I'll go back to what we talked about in the beginning. A lot of this has to, I really feel like these games are coming down to the timing rule. Uh, a lot of these teams are, are, are escaping. Now some are just com just completely wiping folks out, but a lot of teams are escaping by shortening the game. Um, and that's what you need to be. If you're not quite, that team and you need just a little edge, man, you jump out early on somebody and that timing rule comes in, uh, I think is really huge. And, and teams are starting to play to that now. Uh, now it's about possessions. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, and I think the interesting thing is, you know, you mentioned the difference between some of those teams and some of the teams that finished second, third aren't that big. I mean, you have the Idaho's that were at the top of the big sky. Delaware was competitive. Sacred Heart. Fam, you, but you look at like Houston Christian, Western Carolina, Cornell, Tennessee State. I mean, these are teams that really weren't in the race for the conference at the end of the season. So I think you're seeing, and I think you're seeing this across all college football coach. We see it at the power five level. I mean, look at the parity when the like the Pac 12 right. to the SEC and everything at the FCS right now. And that's going to lead me to my second topic. I mean, the parity is so different now. I mean, we, we had this question in the offseason, Coach. When you look when, after four weeks of the season, when you look at the F's, I want to separate into two, FCS and HBCU, because we know the HBCUs play for the Celebration Bowl, FCS is going to the playoffs. On each one, how many realistic championship contenders do you see for the national championship and the Celebration Bowl? Has it changed since the offseason? 
That's 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 tricky. Um, I, I I don't think it's really changed. I think there's a few teams that have added their name, uh, you know, to that list legitimately. Um, I think the the biggest factor, man, is that people went out and they're starting now to really understand how to to navigate this this transfer portal, um, this transfer rule. Uh, I think people are now navigating that in a positive way to what they already had. Uh, at first, even though the transfer portal has been around, I think people just doing it to do it. Now, if you look, everybody's being really strategic. Everybody's getting really good players. And players are starting to realize that I can go play at Alcorn State rather than sit five years, so to speak, at Blue Bloods University. And I can go play and play at a high level and play for a championship and still be in front of NFL scouts and all that kind of stuff. And I think we're now starting to see that with uh, with a lot of these programs. Yeah, I mean, you know, for the celebration bowl, just because the West is so wide open, I still feel like there's a there, there's a lot of and there's a lot of room and also the so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, so there's definitely a chance in the West. I think the East with FAMU beating Alabama State. It's going to be very hard for FAMU not to go to the Celebration Bowl. So I think everybody under FAMU right now are long shots. I mean, because when I look at FAMU's schedule, I don't see two losses. Like, Southern hasn't looked good. That's a tough road matchup, but I give FAMU the edge. PV's a tough one, but they come to Bragg where they got the second longest home winning streak. It's going to be homecoming. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I know they didn't look overly dominant against Alabama State. I, I just don't see a team that's – built to beat FAMU right now on the schedule. And so it's like, are they going to lose twice? I, I just don't see it. No, I don't, I don't see that one either. Um, I think the the best chance for, for folks for hap- for that happening was this past weekend. Um, and it came, you know, close, you know, watching that game, uh, the ups and downs. I don't think coach Simmons is going to let that happen again. I don't think his team will let that happen again. I think that that was an eye opener for them. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, the ones that they really need is in Tallahassee, uh, which they've proven they don't they don't really lose there a lot, and they haven't lost there in a long time. No, I mean, like I said, second longest home. I, let's see, they got the 17 games now, Coach. It's only behind Montana State, who's at 22 consecutive um, home wins, which is just insane. I will say the active winning streaks is kind of – been decreased man like there's not a lot of active like longevity winning streaks because of those fbs games but south dakota state's 17 now leading the country and the second place team is four that's william and mary (laughs) with four wins so i mean south dakota state's got a huge lead on that but coach man any storylines from this weekend that stuck out to you um you know i think and, and we'll preview it but the one that uh that I really like uh, that sticks out to me was the Idaho Sac State game. Um, and like I said, we'll preview it, preview it. So I won't really get into it, but you know, uh, when we get into it, it, it's, it's got some crazy numbers. Um, one guy did his thing, uh, one team and, you know, for our neck of the woods, I think it was the, uh, the walk-off fashion in which we lost at home. Uh, you know, that storyline, but as far as, you know, the major storyline from FCS, uh, I, I, I got to go with the Idaho over uh, Sac State. But I think I did call that. Oh, yeah. We, we both picked it. Um, so I did calculate our 
pick them score. So I, I, I didn't use any of mine from the website. Only games that we picked on the show in terms of our actual pick them coach were tied. <laughs> right now yeah you you've made up your early deficit man that week zero killed you you'd be killing me if it went for that week zero yeah hey, and i gotta give you a shout out the delaware upset pick was a big one we both picked the eastern washington upset this weekend so man you've been killing that this week coach you went five and zero oh on your official picks man falling out uh, hey, that I gotta give you props, man. But um, we had the same record week two and three. I don't, we didn't have any picks differing that week. So I think right, right. we got we got to kind of go our separate ways and with some of these picks to kind of get some separation. But coach, my one of my big storylines was I was I kind of mentioned it earlier. Southeastern Louisiana finally mm-hmm. gets back to host a home game, and they lose to Houston Christian, first year head coach. This is a team that has not won anything. Ever, I feel like at the FCS level, they lose 34 to 19. I mean, it's not even close, coach. I mean, they crushed them. ACU came in there and honestly looked like the better team. And I have to give Braxton Harris, the new head coach, there some props. He brought in a lot of young talent. They have some of the best freshmen in the country. I mean, there's, there's a, when, I think when you look at some of these top recruiting classes, they haven't really produced on the field. Some of these guys he brought in and just the, just the one off season he's had. I mean, I, I I'm impressed. Listen, Colby suits had a hell of a game, 282, three touchdowns, a rushing touchdown as well. And Daryl Evans at running back, man, 173 averaging eight yards per carry. They dominated the line of scrimmage, had four sacks defensively. Rodney Dansby and those guys on defense are balling out. Coach, ACU right now is sitting and looking with McNeese McNeese struggling, a big road win over southeastern Louisiana. The Southlands in kind of a down year behind Incarnate Word. Man, ACU could have a potential to finish top three in the Southland, which is something that no one saw coming this preseason. Nobody's seen it coming, and no one's seen this game outcome coming. I mean, they put up over 500 yards. Um, they were balanced in you know in, the, in every area as far as rushing the ball, throwing the ball. Um, didn't hurt themselves in the penalty game or the turnover game. Uh, it was on the road to put this up, man. I, I think it's kind of uh, that not kind of. It's really impressive, uh, like you said, because no one's seen this coming. No one's seen this coming, and to do it in that fashion. Uh, unbelievable. You know, shifting over to uh, some of the HBCU games, man, we we kind of we kind of preview some of the HBCU games of the week. Obviously, the big one, FAMU, Alabama State, man. But there was one that I think me and you both said it wasn't even going to be worth watching. It wasn't going to be close, and it was that Jackson Bethune game, man. And there was it, it was interestingly close. But I will say, man, it, it's kind of like a slash storyline slash recap of this game, Coach. We talked about it. The SWAC has to fix an official problem because it's just getting outrageous. You you know, in your game, there was some field goal, you know, field goal extra point issues in terms of determining whether it was good or not. And the referee is giving Bethune Cookman, I want to say four or five second half timeouts, allowing them to stop the clock with over a minute left on fourth down. And if it wasn't for an illegal substitution and Jackson's punter being out, so who knows what the field position would have been. They get the ball in really good field with really good field position with a chance to win the game because they're only down by six. Man, you got to be better than that. There's no reason for a division one program to struggle knowing how many timeouts a team has in a crunch in a, in a crucial moment, clutch moment like that. It's like uh, it, it, it's not basketball. So I don't know if folks understand that 
those the timeouts don't carry over. Um, and normally they all have cards. Um, I would be interested in, in hearing the backstory as to how this got uh, Scott mixed up because you get three, three and a half. Um, so I, that's just I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that one, man. That's two extra ones that you didn't even plan for, you know. I mean, because because Jackson, I mean, at the end of the day, whether they make it or not, is kind of fighting for a playoff bid. If they went out and go nine and two, they're going to be in that conversation. Yes. If that goes the other way and and they win because the team got one or two more timeouts than they deserve. Oh, man. Man. And the com- yeah. And the conference missing out on a potential at large bid or man, coach, what happens? Let me throw this at you. What happens if the unimaginable happens if FAMU loses twice? Still wins the tiebreaker because Jackson took an L because the refs couldn't figure out the timeouts. I mean, there's so many scenarios. I know it ended up going the right way, but the conference has to figure that out in terms of getting that corrected. Because, coach, you could have you could have an altering scenario if for a conference championship race at the time if that goes the wrong way. Yeah, that is it's just not that game. It has implications on a whole bunch of, you know, other things outside of just that game. And like you just hit on, uh, that's a it's a situation where not Jackson, but Jackson and the conference now goes to the playoffs, uh, you know, put in a different light. And I'm just want to say this and I'll leave it alone. Had that happened and it went the other way, uh, Bethune would still be in Jackson. Uh, those refs would still be in Jackson. I, I think that stadium would be surrounded until they got a chance to redo that thing. But uh, it's definitely something that Dr. McQuellen and, uh, you know, the powers to be have to look into. Um, and it's just got to be a better situation um, all the way around, all the way around. And then d made a good point. The refs missed an obvious catch by Bethune-Cookman and called it incomplete. I mean, the calls were bad on nope. on Saturday on Saturday night in Jackson. But, I mean, I will say – Listen, Irv Mulligan is that guy, man. I know. Yeah, he went went crazy. 174 touchdown, averaged eight yards per carry. I will say, because I had someone reach out. I won't draw, I won't, you know, say who. And they kind of asked me my thoughts on this game. And I was like, I feel like the problem is everyone wants that kind of like air raid style Liberty offense because you've got the Maurice Harris in there. That's not the strength of this Jackson team. You have to embrace being a run first. Man, we got Irv Mulligan, Moultrie. We got the true freshman, Aubrey's little brother, um, Miller. Man, run the football. Like, your offensive line excels in run blocking. Play to your strengths because when I look at when I look at this game, Coach, on paper, their receiving core is talented. I give them that. But nobody's emerged as a go-to playmaker outside of Rico Powers. Rico had another big game, seven for 60, but – there was a big drop touchdown pass by Isaiah Spencer. There were multiple times where the wide receivers weren't getting open in time, and it was causing Jason Brown to have to escape the pocket and and make plays with his legs. They don't have a proven guy outside of Rico, so that's my biggest concern is your wide receiving core isn't playing as deep as it might be on paper, and it's putting Jason Brown in the offensive line in an unwinnable scenario because you can't block forever. Well, and you – You've got to do, like you said, at that in that case, you know, and, and tip my hat to them for understanding that and doing it. Um, you've got to play to what your strengths are until you can get the extra coached up to the way you want it. Um, right now, if it's easier for you to turn around and hand it to that guy with the dreads flowing out the back of his helmet and he's going to get you six yards every time he touches it, 
I mean, the smart coach turns around and hand it to him. You know, uh, you've got to go with what you have going at the moment and continue to work the other part. Now, if they get it all going at one time, it can be scary. But right now, they just have the one that they can really put their hat on and they know that it's going to be a situation where, you know, hey, we're going to get positive out of this and go from there. Tip my hat to Coach uh, Harris for doing that. Yeah, and I, I got to give a shout out to Walter Simmons, man. Not even the starting quarterback this year. The starting quarterback hurt a few weeks ago. He comes out 172, a touchdown. I mean, he yeah. played really, really Great well. Amari, Amari Hill Robinson at cornerback, balling, had a big interception as Jackson was driving. So I, I just think Jackson, the biggest thing for them is they just got to find their identity. There's too many. Roll with it. Yeah, roll with like, it, it, I get what you want to do. Maybe you don't have the personnel. Coach, we talked about this when we broke down the coverages and the swag. You might want to run something, but if you don't have the guys to run it, you're going to end up hurting yourself in the long run. Play to your players' strengths, and you're not an air race style team right now. No, it, that's not you. Um, by all means, that last ball game, November 18th, if that's what you want to do, do it. Uh, but, you know, by all means, you know, you have to – And right now, that's what makes them go well. Yeah, and then my final thing, man, I just think they got to develop an edge rusher. I don't think they got that guy like a Niles Gaddy, a James Houston, a guy that can just go get – unless it's a blitz with Isaac Peppers, and unless it's those two defensive tackles wreaking havoc, they don't have a guy who can just dominate off the edge. And so I think that's the biggest thing for Jackson that I'm looking for. But, Coach, we had a huge game over in Tallahassee, man. We both predicted this one correctly. But, man, Alabama State making a QB change, making it interesting until until a huge play, man. Isaiah, Isaiah Major is a dog at, at linebacker. 40-yard pick six to close it out, under three minutes left. Coach, what were your big takeaways from the Rattlers getting a huge win over Alabama State this weekend? That they were able to turn the ball over and, and still come out with a victory, uh, which, again, leads me to believe, you know, that home field advantage – um, you know, wins out in that situation. But the uh, the major thing I think that they've got to take care of is that turnover situation uh, because you can't have that going down the stretch. The later you get in the season, the less room for error you have by way of turning it over. Um, and then, you know, hats off the state. They went in there and they battled. You know, they uh, went toe-to-toe with them and, and was right there to the end, like you said, to the crucial turnover. Uh, but at the end of the day, Turnovers and time of possession. Uh, Fam won that. They lost the other one, but they were at home. And what that winning streak is, 17 or whatever it is, uh, they prevail. Listen, I mean, as good as Alabama State's defense is, FAMU, the the one concern I have about FAMU is, man, not running the football consistently in the big mm-hmm. games. I mean, they and I, I'm going to give them. A, I'm going to give them a break this week, coach, because this probably was one of the better run defenses they're going to see this year. That front seven is legit for Alabama State, but you got to try to establish the run because it takes so much pressure off of Musa. Now, Musa delivered a solid game. I thought didn't really turn the ball over through the air. Was pretty efficient. Was able to push the ball down the field. But man, the defense won them this game. Isaiah Major, I mentioned the pick six, twelve tackles led the team, but. That man, Gentle Hunt, is a problem in the middle. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, as as a defensive tackle, eight tackles, three and a half for loss and a forced fumble, that's, I mean, that's next. If I can get that out of my three-to-one tech every week, I win in every game. And they, that that guy in the middle along with the other guy in the middle, 
uh, anytime you hold a team rushing who who makes an attempt at running the ball, uh, you hold them under 20 yards rushing, I mean, you're doing something up the middle. Uh, your defense is playing lights out up front and, you know, hats off to them, you know, holding them under 15 yards, actually. Have 14 yards rushing for Bama State. Uh, you're going to win a lot of ball games when you can cut a team off uh, and make them one-dimensional the way that fan made them one-dimensional. I think I think it's safe to say this as we wrap this one, wrap this game up, Coach. There's a new quarterback in Montgomery. I listen. I I I want to give Eddie Rob this. I want to give him a shout out because some coaches make a quarterback change and are hesitant to trust that new guy to air the ball out on the road. Top 25 program, hostile environment. He said, listen, man, this is your offense. We're going to let you air it out 41 times and just go out here and ball out. And he played well up until that pick six at the end that ultimately cost him the game. But I thought he played well. And then that man, listen, we've talked about him on the show. Keyshawn Johnson is an issue. Unguardable. I mean, eight for 112 this week. I mean, he's a problem one-on-one. And – I think I got to give Eddie Rob credit. We know what the defense is, but for them to trust the quarterback that much to throw it 41 times, shout out to E Rob for, for get, handing the keys over when he made that quarterback change. And sticking with it. Um, you know, I'm sure he had a lot of pressure going into that situation, um, handing the keys over to that young kid and basically flipping the ball in the air and turning his back to him and say, hey, have at it. And, you know, to trust him in that scenario, uh, with basically your season riding on the line to say, hey, man, put it in the air, bring us home. Uh, you know, that speaks a lot to what happened during the, uh, the the bye week and the week leading up to that game. You know, Coach, the SOCOM, we talked about this for a few weeks now. They have not – I mean, there's going to be – there's probably going to be a different conference champion for the fifth consecutive season. Yeah. Sanford collapses against Chattanooga, Coach, 47-24. to 24. I mean – Listen, you gotta you gotta give them credit. They forced two big interceptions off of Michael Hires this weekend, and I mean, you kind of look at this conference now, Coach. You have we know Furman what they are, top ten team. We're gonna be about to jump into their game, a dominant performance against Mercer, but then you got Western Carolina hanging around, Coach. Six hundred and eighty-three offensive yards. 77 points against Charleston Southern, who just two weeks ago. Lost a fifteen to seven game against William and Mary. But we've been talking about Coach Bell um, and his offenses uh, leading up to this, and you just kept waiting because uh, I think you said it last week. Uh, this is not the Coach Bell you know with all this uh, this run first stuff and all that. Um, and I think this is who he wants to be. And I think the more his quarterback becomes comfortable in their situation. And like you said it uh, a couple weeks ago, if they get just a little bit of defense um, and they are putting up close to 700 yards of total offense, I mean, they're going to be pretty tough to deal with as they get older. As they get older, remember that part about them. They're not an old ball club. No, a lot of sophomores on that team. And, you know, Coach, it kind of looks like we're headed to a Furman, Western Carolina matchup. Um, in two weeks from now, where Ooh. man, that that game, I'm, I'm probably going to try to get up there to that game. But I, when I look at Furman this weekend, coach, it's it's still kind of more as great as they looked. I still don't understand what Mercer's doing offensively. Only 16 pass attempts. I mean, he was sacked three times. I get that. 
And Carter Peavy attempted 16 passes but had 13 rushing attempts. And you got, again, two of the best wide receivers in the country – Eventually, you're going to have to let him air it out. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's showing something during the week where Mercer isn't trusting him to air the football out. I don't know if it's something schematically they're seeing on film. But man, Todd James, when given the chance, 483 and a touchdown this weekend. Get just if if the the slogan of the week that should be posted in the locker room is in all doubt, just throw it to just throw it to 13. <laughs> if if you're doubting yourself, find 13. That's it. That should be the game plan for Carter PV. And coach, I feel like because they were so conservative, it just let Furman establish momentum, establish momentum. And they ended up running for 222 yards and four touchdowns and ran away with this game, which it was close early. Yeah. And, you know, time possession uh, that allowed them to win that ball, you know, win that part of the ball game as well. But I'm kind of like you because I had really high hopes to see what these two in the receiver room would be able to do this year um, with another year with a quarterback that they, you know, they've had an opportunity to play with. Um, I thought they would come out old Florida Gator style and just, you know, fun and gun it, uh, which has been anything but that. Uh, so I'm kind of like you as to just, you know, maybe there's something that's, uh, that's not quite clicking during the week. Um, so by the time you get to your game plan, close date, whether that's Thursday or whatever their day is to close it out, they're not liking it and they keep it as, you know, vanilla from me to you outside looking in. Um, but again, like you said, if you just put it anywhere close to that guy, he, you, you've got a 50, 50 chance of having something good happen for you. So why not put that in the game plan third and whatever, get it close to him. You know, coming into the season coach, I thought the SoCon had an opportunity to get a good bit of at large bids. I'm looking now. It's looking real thin after you get past Furman in Western Carolina. Maybe if Chattanooga can like win out, they bounce back from a, a, a week one loss in North Alabama, who's kind of looked really good. Coach, neither of us won our upset picks this week. We'll get it to mine in a minute. But North Alabama competed well early. UT Martin pulls away late. But North Alabama's looked really respectable, so I'm not going to hold that against Chattanooga. But I think the SoCon, it might just be – you might get that one auto bid – and maybe one to two at large bids if Chattanooga just goes on a run here. So you're thinking uh, still getting two uh, two at large in there. I think well, if I had to, it? if I had to bet right now, I think you only get one at large. Furman or Western Carolina wins the conference, and then the loser of that game gets the at large bid. Okay, it's kind of where okay. I am because because I think Mercer's kind of played themselves out of it. Sanford's sitting at like one and three now. And so they're going to have to bounce back in a big way. Chattanooga's three and one right now. They bounce back from that loss in North Alabama. I think if they could go on a run here, maybe pull an upset over Furman or Western, maybe you can get another at large bid. But I think you're sitting at, I think you're just sitting at two bids total right now for the SoCon champion in the championship game or uh, loser. I'm with yeah. you. That's, that's kind of where I am right now. But, Coach, shifting to the big sky, we had two big upsets. Me and you predicted one of them with Eastern Washington over UC Davis. And then we finally had the proof that Montana is not the Montana that we're used to seeing. But, Coach, I want to start with EWU here. We both picked this one. What was your biggest takeaway from this, this huge win for Eastern Washington? As they bounced back, I mean, they had a brutal, brutal out-of-conference schedule, and they get a big road win in their conference opener. I'm trying to get to my game note. Uh... But, yeah, we did pick that one, um, and I picked one other one that I thought was going to hit. But like you said, we didn't get a chance to uh, come up victorious on that thing. 
But, uh, you know, for them to come in and be able to do that away from the red turf, uh, I think was huge for them. But they did it running the football. You know, they did it running the football to me. Uh, you know, that's one of those things where when you find your identity, I think that's where you kind of hang your hat at. Um, you can't have penalties on the road. They didn't have them. Um, and they were able to come up with timely stops, you know, timely stops. Uh, they've got to get better again in the third down situation. I think we talked about that once before. Uh, four for 15 on the road is going to hurt you at some point. But, uh, you know, you come back, you're able to run the ball, 38 rushing attempts, you go for over 100 yards. Um, I think that's a, a, a recipe to win games on the road when you have just a little bit of defense. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think the big takeaway for me is, like you said, the defense made key stops. You had the big pick six with Marlon, with, with Marlon and it was just like every time UC Davis got something going, they would, they would find a way to stop him. It was like that bend-don't-break approach. And also, I mean, let's just be honest. I, I don't want to take away from the win. Lan Larson being hurt really helped when he put up 255, a touchdown, and was averaging 12 yards per carry. His injury, I feel like, took a lot of the wind out of the cells of UC Davis. I, I don't say Eastern Washington doesn't win this game without that happening, but I will say it really does help when the best player is not out. available in the second half. Yeah, when he goes out and then uh, you're able to get away with uh... – well, come away with, uh, like I said, two picks and, uh, you know, force a fumble in there, three turnovers, and then the best players not playing in the second half. Uh, that that helps you. But the timely stops, uh, you can't put enough on that, man. And then when you get an opportunity to uh, seize the moment, because you have to seize that moment when he goes out, and, it, and, and they did. If you don't seize that moment, you may not get that opportunity coming back uh, going forward the rest of the season. So it'd be interesting interesting to see how they come back uh, the rest of the year. But, you know, on the road, you can't beat this kind of win. Yeah, Visperus continues to develop. I think this was one of his more efficient games. He didn't have any bit, he didn't have any touchdowns, but also protected the football, was efficient in terms of where completing the football, you know, establishing that offensive consistency. Give him some credit. I still think he has a long way to go before we consider him, you know, the next guy at Eastern Washington is the bar set really high, but he's taking all the right steps. He's still a young quarterback. And coach, I, I'll say this. This was an important win for them because now they're sitting at two and two and moving forward this weekend, they host Idaho top five team in the country. They still got a game against Weber state top 15 in the country. And they got a road matchup against Montana state over there in Bozeman late in the season. And Listen, the Idaho game is at a good time. Yeah. Um, very you know, you come off of this uh, win and you catch them riding high two weeks in a row. Maybe there's a little letdown, allows you to stay in this thing uh, late and you get a chance to pull it off. So um, I think they catch Idaho at, the good time, at a good time. Yeah, we'll definitely preview that game Thursday. I mean, that's going to be easily one of the games of the week, if not the game of the week. But, Coach, real quick, a huge upset. We talked a little bit last week how I thought Montana was being a little bit overrated by the media you know they were sitting at three and zero, but they 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 didn't look super impressive in their in their D two game against Ferris State. They didn't look very impressive against the non scholarly school in Butler Week One. They traveled down to NAU, a twenty eight to fourteen loss, with, uh, against an, a winless 
Northern uh, Northern Arizona team coming into this one. Coach, what did you take away from the Grizzlies' collapse on the road this weekend? Um, as I'm trying to get to my notes, I just remember you saying that, you know, hey, uh, that record could be a little misleading. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to see exactly where they are, and this is one of those tests. Um, and now, you know, going forward, uh, I, I hate this iPad. I usually write my stuff out, but like I told you, uh, <laughs> my wife has my car. But anyway, uh, does this take them out of the uh, out of the movement, man? You know, does this does this loss really hurt them in your eyes to the point that they can't rebound? Because you were saying all along that they still hadn't proved uh, that they belong. So while I'm finding wow. my notes, I toss it to you. I, I'm I'm I would say it. It proves that they shouldn't be ranked, even though they are still ranked. They're 18th in the country right now, which, I mean, so the argument to this coach was, I'll just throw this out here, is they were saying, would you, who would you, okay, one guy, one voter said who had who had them, I want to say 24-25 would say, if FAMU traveled to Montana, would they win a road matchup? No. So he said, I can't put them above FAMU. If, I mean, who else? Well, you know, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say it depends on what time of year it is. Agreed. Okay, so let's just say early season. I I think, and I'll say this, I think they could. His argument was if FAMU, UT Martin, Youngstown State, Jackson State, Rhode Island, Central Arkansas, all these teams that people are putting above Montana would play, played Montana, who would, who would you favor to win? He said, if you would favor Montana to win that game, why should they be, be ranked below them? They can't beat Western Carolina, I don't think. Um, and I will say this. I didn't like that he used, like, oh, if they traveled to, um, if they traveled to, you know, play Montana in Montana, I'm like, what happens if Montana had to come to brag yeah, and play in Tallahassee? I mean, like, like, can we pick a neutral side if we're going to do hy- yeah. hypothetical? And I'll say this. Uh, here's my belief on that. If they played, I don't know who I would take right now because Butler went up there, wasn't scared of the environment. Fam, you just beat the number four team in the FCS by 21. I mean, so it's like based on what I've seen on the field, I'm not saying like I'm not saying Fam you would win. I'm just saying I don't know if it'd be a bloodbath that everyone's thinking as it would no. po- possibly in past years. And I also don't think rankings should be based on hypothetical matchups that have not and are not scheduled like you can't just say like oh and this because my problem when people do that is yes you do need to try to rank the 25 best teams but you can only use information that you have based on what's happened on the field this year when you start using hypotheticals coach let's be honest listen i was a psychology major your confirmation bias is just going to kick in because if you already think montana's the better team doing hypotheticals like this with yourself you're going to always find a way you're always going to find a way to justify it. So I don't think you should use hypotheticals that have no based information to, to rank teams. And, and I, and I think up front, um, I've, I've watched fam and I think up front that they can handle their own on both sides of the, uh, both sides of the ball in the trenches. Um, I think where it would come down to in all honesty is what time of year, uh, if that was going up there and the same thing, if Montana was coming down to Florida, um, if they were coming down to Florida first game of the year, I'm doubling down on fam uh, just yeah. because, you know, Tallahassee, 
summer heat, uh, just like if fam is going up there and we're talking about in November, uh, well, I'm going to double down on Montana, you know, in that situation. But if we're talking a, a, a head up situation, perfect scenario, 75 cool breeze out of the Southeast, um, I, I, I think fam could handle their own. Um, I don't think it'll be a situation where they would back down or anything like that or the environment because it gets big. It's a big environment down in Tallahassee every week as well. Um, so I don't I'm like you. I don't take that as far as that goes into consideration. It's just one of those things that I just think will never happen, man. The, the 96 Bulls will never play the 2000 whatever Warriors. So we could talk about it all we want. But, it, you know, unless it was a way to happen, I just don't think it would happen. But, you know, for NAU to go in there and almost put up 400 yards on them, control the time of possession. I mean, they have some serious questions. I think that they have to get answered before they get into the meat of their schedule as well. Yeah, that, that's my thing. Is I, I just and one I didn't like that he used FAMU and NCCU specifically. It was like because I think because he referenced the the some of these voters referenced like ballots with two HBCUs in them. I mine has it. I got FAMU at twenty, and I want to say NCCU at sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm taking NCCU over Montana right now. I mean, Davius Richard. If 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 Dave okay healthy. he's hurt yeah yeah if he if he if Davis Richards one hundred percent healthy and we got a neutral site game Montana don't know what to do with him right now and and you know what we can make the stands right here man we just got to go get some uh, some sponsors some donors man whatever and make it the Blue Blood kickoff classic there we and go. let's get some of these games put together you know what I mean let's instead of the Swag Meak challenge you know let's add something else to it you know. Uh, let's cross it up just to see. So we, we see those uh, cross FCS matchups um, and, you know, put to bed some of these, uh, some of these thoughts about, uh, you know, not being able to match up and that type of thing. Yeah. That don't mean to us to North Dakota state either, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Coach said, listen, we ain't going up to the dome. You can meet us halfway. We'll, we'll play, we'll play, we'll play somewhere uh, like in Tennessee or something like that. We'll, we'll somewhere be, like that. Yeah. I mean, because because here's my thing is like, yes, you could say that maybe Montana wins some of those matchups, but is Montana beating anybody in the top 20 right now? I'm not picking them. I mean, based on how they've looked, I mean, they just lost. Okay, I, I get it because everyone's saying it's a tough thing to go on the road and win, which it is. I'm not taking away from that. No matter where but you're it, at. But is Northern Arizona beating anybody else? I, no, I, I maybe. If, if you played all top 20 teams, maybe there'd be one to two upsets, maybe just because anything can happen on a Saturday. But if you're an elite top 20, top 15 team, you're not losing that game. No, um, I think because at that point you, you've established yourself and I think you have the the people to to back that up. You know what I mean? So you can lose one or two guys up front and then you replace them with quality guys and they're still not going to miss a, miss a beat. Um, I think in this situation, I don't know if kind of like we talk, you know, teams change every year, how much of the carryover from what they lost into this year was brought over with them. You know what I mean? With the people that they lost the team, the whole nine, it's a different team, um, which goes back to my argument, man, we shouldn't start after week three, or uh, to at least everybody's done playing their uh, their up games. I, I will say this: it, 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 this weekend was a perfect example of why I hate 
college football fans that use the transitive property in ranking teams because, Coach, Utah Tech lost to Montana two weeks ago. Utah Tech went to Northern Arizona and beat Northern Arizona, and then Northern Arizona just beat Montana. So anybody who thinks your team is better than X team because they lost to the Y team and then Z beat both, so they're probably or lost to both, so they're probably better than T. Like that's not how this works. Like anything. So I hate people who use the transitive property in rankings too. Like common opponents only go so far. Oh yeah, Um, because it's any given time, man. You know, any given time, man. Yeah, and I, I agree with Timothy. Every every single voter, coaches poll, media poll should have to release their ballots. With a picture right next and to them? Everyone. Because, listen, <laughs> I'm not going to throw this SID under the bus. And I want to say the conference, but I can't because there's only like two per conference. Uh, okay, there's three conferences that don't participate in the playoffs. What are the SIDs from the three conferences that don't participate in the playoffs release their ballot? It was the worst ballot I've ever seen. Montana was above Western Carolina. You had like UC Davis still in there. I mean, it, it was just it was just bananas what I saw. And I'm like, what are what are we doing here? So just want to throw that out there. But coach, two big CAA games. You had New Hampshire, Delaware. Coach, this is where you you tied me for the records, man. You picked the Delaware upset. They pull it off 29-25. And then you also got Villanova beating Rhode Island 35-9. to This was my upset pick. They embarrassed me this weekend with this one. <laughs> Coach, in both of these games, we'll, we'll combine them together to get through this. Do Can you see either of these teams, do either of these teams establish themselves as true CAA championship contenders with their performance this weekend? I think Delaware, man. Um, rolling the three and one, uh, you go look at their stat line. Um, I think they can catch late season fire here going forward. Uh, I know we had some questions about them early. Um, can't say that all those questions are answered, but the quarterback situation, um, I think he played solid, uh, threw the ball a lot, protected the football, um, got help in the run game. And, uh, you know, he he had a favorite target that went crazy as well this past mm-hmm. weekend, um, like five catches over 100 yards. You put that in, in perspective, man, five catches over 100 yards. Uh, you know, those are big time plays. And I think if they can catch late season fire, man, I think Delaware, Delaware has an opportunity. Listen, Delaware proved me wrong. I had a lot of questions about Ryan, uh, Ryan O'Connor at quarterback. But he made Hey, I didn't see this the first three weeks of the season. And he came out here balling, like you said. I mean, 336, three touchdowns. You mentioned him and Townsend's connection was ridiculous. But, Coach, the big storyline for me is I, I kind of – listen, their run game is what it is. Marcus Yarns has run for over 100 yards in, I think, every game this season. I mean, had another big game. But the defense – was shocking for Delaware. They had so many new pieces. Coach, coming in, New Hampshire was just doing whatever they wanted offensively, only allowed 51 rushing yards. And I still don't understand why New Hampshire only ran the ball 14 times. But regardless of the point, they <laughs> shut that down. And, I I mean, Dylan Lobby came into the year, come, came into this game leading the one of the leaders in rushing and receiving. He had eight yards rushing on eight carries and seven catches for 24 yards. Not is, I mean, not the performance we thought we were going to get from him. So you have to give Delaware's 
defense some credit, man. Listen, Jackson Taylor, outstanding game. We know what Chase McGowan can do. Khalil Khalil Dalsey had a had a ridiculous game on Saturday. So you got to. I think I'm with you. I think Delaware, with the way their schedules laid out, with not having to play William and Mary. They're probably fa- – I mean, they play Duquesne this uh, next weekend, Coach, North Carolina A&T, Hampton, Townsend, Elon, Campbell, and then they got the big matchup with Villanova. Outside of Villanova, they're probably 10-plus point favorites in a lot of those games. I mean, there's a chance that Delaware fin- like finishes the season winning out after this one. This was arguably their toughest test still left on the schedule, and they passed with flying colors. So do you think uh- – just because the, you know, the kid at UNH, um, I wonder if there was something, you know, wrong, um, if they were trying to, uh, you know, not put him up, uh, you know, in those type of situations, because he's normally at a very high usage uh, rate for them and not to have him like that, you know, maybe he's not 100%, but nonetheless, uh, hats off to uh, to Delaware. And like you said, they could end it, you know, maybe maybe one more, maybe another loss. But I mean, they have an opportunity, and everything, everything else that's coming up, they have an opportunity to uh, to be favored or uh, a small point spread. You know, underdog. If they win out, they got a chance to be a seed. Like Dustin says, I mean, a six, seven, eight seed possibly. If they win out, and all you want to do is get in, right? Hey, and get that bye week and get and get home field advantage. I'm taking that every day and. Their biggest test is going to be Villanova. They looked impressive. I mean, Coach, 287 on the ground, five rushing touchdowns. The quarterback came out here, threw for 166, a touchdown, and or, or threw for 166, had three rushing touchdowns, 113 rushing yards. They were just dominant on both sides of the football. Rhode Island had no answer for Villanova on either side of the football. Brendan Bell had a big game, so it was a big win for the Wildcats. And that Delaware-Villanova game could be huge in determining you know which of these teams are really uh, – because I think William & Mary has not looked I, – I would, I would say defensively they look elite. Offensively, offensively they look beatable. So I think that game could determine which one of these teams are like a true threat to knock off William & Mary. And the uh, the Villanova game could have been worse. You know, they had over 100 yards worth of penalties. Um, mm. I think they had a score call back as well. Uh, so, you know, that's something that they've got to get fixed going forward. But I think this, uh, this sent a message uh, to a lot of teams um, that they are, you know, trying to put it together and that they're for real. So that matchup coming up, uh, like you said, could be a situation where Villanova puts a stamp on it. Or William and Mary says, nah, we ain't gone yet. You know, that kind of thing. Something. So uh it's gonna be a pretty, pretty, pretty uh mid-season, late season run going on here in um in FCS, man. The final two games, coach, where we get into our winners and losers and final takeaways. Two top ten matchups. One looked like a top ten matchup, the other did not. As Montana State beats Weber State 40 to nothing. Coach, I mean, th- this was – it's weird because, to me, the top three in the FCS are so tight. When you got South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Montana State, any one of those has a resume to be number one in the rankings. But, man, Montana State really impressed me. I mean, no Tommy Malott, and they come out here and st- – Coach, 
without missing yards of offense. I mean, three forty-six <laughs> on the ground, another eight yards per carry, and four rushing touchdowns. I mean, I I still. It doesn't matter that you know that they're coming because you're not going to be able to stop their rushing attack. And and they're not going to change it up uh, as far as, you know, we're going to try to do this, this. No, this is what we do, and this is how we're going to do it. And it's just going to be one of those things where we're going to try to pound you into submission. And, uh, you know, I think they did it. The I think the, the missing part of them was probably their third down, but I think that has a lot to do with who they had missing. Uh, but at that, you know, at, that, at the rate they were moving, it wasn't anything that, you know, handed them hell. They put up 40, um, and they were 5 of 12. Uh, so you get that guy back, and your defense continues to play the way they're playing. Um, it's going to be a, a pretty, pretty good late season uh, matchup coming down, uh, coming down the pipe. Coach, 5-18, averaged 8 yards per play as an offense, and defensively, just absolutely dominated Weber State. I mean, held them to 200 yards of total offense and three yards per play. Hell, I mean, they they were terrible on third down, too. Three of 17, two for six on fourth, on fourth down attempts, and they only allowed one red, red zone trip for Weber State. I mean, they sacked uh, Colin Wesser four times, and they held Damon Bateson, who came in as one of the leading rushers in the country, to 36 yards on 14 attempts, only 2.6 yards per carry, and held the team to under three yards per carry as well. And it don't get any better than that. And like you said, they are, their guy wasn't wasn't present. Um, so, you know, with their next two matchups, who do they have? Uh, let's see. who uh, Montana State? Let's see. Yeah. Uh, I want to see. Let me pull up their schedule. I, I want to say that the next two games are going to be favored a lot. Yeah, Portland State and Cal Poly is good. So they get they get one hundred percent healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that those games aren't something that they need to be worried about, but they're, they're not. Uh, you know, straight <laughs> yeah. But I'm, you know, uh, now you get another week, possibly another week to get back 100% healthy for your stretch run, um, it makes these guys scary. I, I agree, because after those two games, Coach, they have back-to-back road trips, Sacramento State and Idaho. And, yeah, so uh, we won't talk about that till they get there. Yeah, but, uh, That's going to be a heck of a run right there, man. Hey, we're going to find out. Uh, listen, the Big Sky is just a brutal, brutal conference. But, Coach, the so last game – Idaho getting the big win over Sacramento State. I mean, uh, what else can be said about Giovanni McCoy, man? I mean, just continues to ball out as a, as a true sophomore. 15 of 21, 234, two touchdowns. And, I mean, Hayden 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 Hatton continues to prove it. Seven for 72, and Idaho finds a way to win it. I mean, this, this game was a lot closer. Listen, they hit a game-winning field goal. To really and truly, there was one last play, and Sacramento State ends up fumbling it, and Idaho returns it for a touchdown. So they get 36-27, but really and truly, that a lot closer than that. Coach, what was your big takeaway from the Vandals? They held the ball for almost 40 minutes, man. <laughs> almost 40 minutes, and the game is only 60 minutes long. They gave themselves the opportunity to win this thing. Um and they held on to it, like you said. But I think their game plan 
uh, that they brought in uh, for this uh, with this ball control. Uh, masterful, masterful. I mean, you have the ball for almost 40 minutes. The game is only 60 minutes long. Put that, I mean, think about that. Um, and then you've been preaching the, uh, the, the, the praise of, of the guy that's leading Idaho from, from months ago. Um, and he's just continued to keep it steady, 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 steady. Um, you know, again, hats off to that guy, um, and Idaho. And like I said, man, they, they caught sack, I think at a good time. Um, and they took advantage of it. I will say, I think I was most impressed about Idaho's ability to control the line of scrimmage, especially defensively. I mean, they didn't really have any, like, standouts in terms of box score, but, like, when you go watch this game, they controlled the line of scrimmage. I mean, this was a Sac State team that has run the ball consistently with, with, with the scrambling quarterback as well, and Caden Bennett, he can run. They hold them to 69 total yards rushing, 2.4 yards per carry, and that was their weakness coming into the year. Everyone was high on the Idaho secondary. Nobody really knew what they were going to bring edge rusher-wise, linebacker-wise. They had to replace multiple starters. They came out here and were dominant in the front seven. And so you're looking at this team now in terms of a makeup. They got the quarterback. We know to be a championship team, you got to have the signal caller. Gotcha. You have the you have the running back in Anthony Woods, 117, five yards per carry. You have elite wide receivers. And now your defense is kind of starting to build some chemistry, build some momentum. Coach, I know there were some people questioning whether Idaho could live up to the hype that they had in the preseason. When I look at this team, it's built like a championship contender, in my opinion. Yeah. And so far, so good as far as handling that. And I think me and you talk about it all the time. A lot of teams that have the preseason hype um, and had all the glitz and glamour around their program, how would they fare once everything got rolling and you got past these money games and things like that? Uh, and this was the big, you know, the first big test, I, I think, for them, so to speak. Um, and for them to handle it, man. Again, when you just kind of pop open the box score, like you said, the thing that jumps out is that they had the ball for almost 40 minutes. And this is something that the team that they played usually does to other teams. Um, you know, let's just be honest, SAC really pushed Stanford around. Um, so I understood what you said when you were saying you didn't know how Idaho would be able to hold up up front uh, versus SAC. But I guess they showed you and me, but we did pick them. Uh, yeah, we so, did. Uh, you know, again, I'm just impressed with their signal caller, man. And and now you get this win. Uh, you're no longer sneaking up on people. Not that you were before, but you're definitely not sneaking up on people now. So people are going to start really preparing for them. So now we'll see where they are as a team um, and if they have that mentality of being a championship ball club and doing what's needed. Yeah, I, 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 I like that one, man. And so to wrap us up here, Coach, Biggest winner, biggest loser of week four across the FCS. Biggest winner, man. We're going to stay right here with this game uh, just because I think uh, what SAC did the previous week versus a power five, um, I think put a spotlight on them and for Idaho to come in and say, hey, we're not scared of you. We go toe to toe. I think they're the biggest winner from that uh, from that situation. Um, I think the. Uh, the biggest loser, and it's one game we didn't talk about, but we talked about it last week a little bit, was uh, Morgan State's offense, man. Uh, their defense came again, brought the pain, uh, 
played up to to the living, uh, to all the hype of the defense, and and still fell short in two overtimes. Uh, I won't say biggest loser, but my my heart goes out to those kids because I know those kids are playing lights out. It's a team game, no doubt about it. But uh, again, uh, I, I I put them in that category. I had a there, there's a coach. He he coaches Division two. Um, he he. This is how he put it to me. He said after that game, he's concerned that there's going to be some furniture moving in the locker room at some point. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because 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 I mean, we we've everyone who has ever played has been there. Yes, on either side of the football in the locker room. We've uh, all been that locker room. When the offense is putting up six hundred, but the defense is giving up seven, or oh, yeah. or you're holding teams to ten points, but your offense is averaging six points. I mean, like we've all oh, yeah. been there, and it builds. It, let's let's be honest, because we're talking about eighteen to twenty three year old kids. It builds. Emotions run high. Everyone's hyped up on adrenaline, testosterone, like. Man, it's got to be frustrating because what you're looking at Morgan right now, if their offense, like we said, is I, I coach, I'm not even going to say top 50. If their offense is top 75, they're probably undefeated right now with an FBS win. Realistically, undefeated. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah, undefeated. that's not even projecting. Like, I mean, they, I mean, it, it's not even a question. They beat Akron, they beat U, U Albany, they beat Townsend. I mean, always got to hurt. I, I, I'm with you. That, that's a good one. I wasn't going to go there, but that is a really good one. I'll say my winner. I got, I, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll go to, I'm going to say, I'll say Delaware just because it set themselves up to be a seed in the playoffs. And I think they have a clear path now to get back to the playoffs after kind of a, like, I wouldn't say a down year. I mean, they were in the playoffs last year, but that team was never going to compete at the highest level. They look like a team now that could possibly get a seat and make a small run. That's back to the Delaware we're expecting to see, especially with all the talk of them going FBS. You got, I think they need, you don't want to be a Kennesaw State and right. be moving to the FBS right when you're going on the downturn. You need to start building some momentum. So I'm going to go Delaware. It was a huge win for them this weekend. I want to give a shout out, an honorable mention coach, North Carolina Central. I want to say it is not for the reason you're thinking. I'm, listen, they beat Valley. We're not going to give them the biggest winner of the week because of that. <laughs> Coach, backup quarterback, first start ever, Lucas Oil Stadium, Walker Harris. Their co Coach, his nickname is Walker Texas Ranger. That is what they're calling him on the campus <laughs> at North Carolina Central. Listen, Walker Texas Ranger put up 263, five touchdowns, zero turnovers in his first career start. I like it. I, like I mean, it. I get it, guys, because I already know what the comp coach, I, I get what the comments are going to say. Because I was about Maybe to say, wait, what? Yeah, listen, <laughs> I know what the comments are still going to say now that I've explained it. Listen, that's huge for confidence. And if you go back and watch the film, coach, I ah, this is so bad because quarterback quarterbacking around the MIAC and even the SWAC is not very good right now. There's an argument he's probably a top eight quarterback right now. And he's a backup. Yeah, I'm, listen, I'm going to give them a winner just because there's a huge question of what's going to happen after Davius leaves. Yep. That kid right now might be the second best quarterback in the MEAC. I'll, I'll rock with you. Just go watch the film. Listen, I know. <laughs> listen, I, look, there's already comments. It's still Valley. I'm not saying it's because it's Valley. Go watch the film. The kids got. The, listen, you can you can tell on film regardless of the competition. The kid can ball out. I think NCCU is not going to take a huge step back. He's I'll a lot different than Davis, though. Yeah, I watched that one by the end of the week. He's not a scrambling quarterback. 
He's a pocket passer, but the kid's got an arm. The kid is a gunslinger. Listen, Walker, Texas Ranger, even with his name, that's a good nickname because the kid is yeah. just a gunslinger out there. But the biggest loser, ah, man, I really – Coach, I'll be honest. I bounced this one around because I, I I wanted to go southeastern Louisiana because, man, 0-4 now. You lose to Houston Christian at home. There's so like, much hype around the program. Oh, it, it's it's bad. But I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to give it to Weber State. I understand that they faced – I, I, listen, Montana's the elite of the elite this year. But you didn't even look competitive. I mean, not even close. Like, you didn't pinch them. You didn't. You don't know what number the quarterback was wearing. You don't know – like, there was no – Coach, there's a clip Montana State dropped on the final run with Julius Davis. Mm-hmm. They're on the road, right? He gets outside. He's so, there's nobody out there with him in terms of him running. He blows a kiss to the student section on the field during the play as he's running. <laughs> I got to go check that one. I got to check that I, one. The, the disrespect's on a million with that, by the way. But I love oh, yeah, the energy. But I'm not about it. That's how this. I mean, it was coach. This was a top ten matchup. Is Weber going to be good? I still think they're probably a, a playoff team at large bid. But that game proved that there is still a long way to go before Weber State ever has a shot to get to to, to get to the national championship or be a true contender in the Big Sky. I think. I mean, it. It. it they didn't like it. Like you cannot lose that game forty to nothing at home. Montana State coming in without one of their starting quarterbacks. That is a. That, that's a game that you have to be more competitive in. So I'm going to go Weaver State for, for the loser there. And then my final one, as Coach steps out real quick, is SWAC refs. We talked about it earlier. Giving Bethune-Cookman five timeouts in the second half. And, I mean, it like I said earlier, it could have cost Jackson State the game with the way they called that game. They missed a big catch for Bethune-Cookman. They had multiple missed calls at PV and Alcorn State. Uh, it, it's just been a trend over the past years about how bad refing has been in the SWAC. So we got to get that fixed. That's my final loser. Coach, I think you're muted. I'm with you uh, because that, you know, that, uh, that official thing, um, again, when you're talking about uh, wanting to be uh, legitimate, um, that takes a big thing with it. Uh, that's a big part of it. Uh, if you're wanting to put your product on product on TV every week, it's got to be right from from the the players, the coaches, to the people that are on the on the field with them. Uh, if you want people to continue to watch and continue to buy into uh, to your conference, I think that's one of those things that's got to be uh, addressed. And you know, I think that helps the conference when it is. Coach, let me ask you something real quick. This is our last thing. We'll, we'll run out of here. I know you got to go. Have you ever seen a team have more of an injury bug on special teams? Say that again. I'm sorry, V. I said, have you have you ever seen a team have more injuries on special teams than that? I mean, they had no, no kicker, no punter. The long snapper no. was the punter. The that's, kicker was a soccer player. That's I mean, true. So my SWA is in here. Uh, she, it, it's funny. She walks in when we're talking about that because she had a picture, a video sent to her. And she's literally going crazy uh, about that, uh, about that kick or whatever. But as I told her, hey, it doesn't matter. Calm down. You know, it's not going to change. It will never be said that we were wrong. So no need your blood pressure going through the roof. But back to what you were saying, um, 
that's one of those situations where you look around and you're like, did that did that just happen? Like, I did, we got to reassess just some know, things. I just want to know how it happened. Like, the day before the game, <laughs> how does your punter and kicker like? Are they are they running Oklahoma drills with the specialists? <laughs> like, what? If we, how did that even happen? Hey, and then you go back and you look and you're like, wait a minute, what are we doing on our Friday walkthroughs? Because <laughs> obviously, obviously this ain't working. Uh, we we got to oh, go back no. to 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 meeting in the gym or in the parking lot or something just to ensure that nobody gets hurt. Nobody's moving around too fast, too quick. But okay, so apparently the kicker's been hurt. The punter was the one that got hurt. This, I'm like, but listen, man, I'm, I'm hoping. Listen, I am hoping they get healthy because that is just our. I, no one care. Oh, y'all might. Y'all have what like six punters this off season, so maybe you guys would be okay. But I mean, man, I can't. I can't deal like that. I've never heard that. Listen, I've covered college football for a while now. I've never, ever. I mean, what Vandy that one year had the had the uh, soccer player. Yeah, had Kicker, the tryouts but, in uh, yeah. I think Texas Texas Tech, but I think he did it because uh, he was upset with his kickers at the moment. But I don't think it was ever that. Yeah, hey, but listen, that's all in good fun. Man, shout out to her though for coming in there. Hey, caused a fumble on one of the kickoffs because she kicked it real short and the dude just missed it, and they set Jackson up for a touchdown. But guys, we're gonna get out of here, man. Coach got coach has to get back to work. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Week four recap. Me and coach will be back 4:30 on Thursday for the week five preview. A lot of big games to talk about. But guys, for Coach Fred, for myself, and for the Blue Bloods, man, we are out for right now.